right, hey everybody, welcome to the Why Not Us podcast. My name is Carter Kramer, my good friend Mike McGowan, special guest today, Mr. Can I say Mr. Nick Nelson? Absolutely. How are you, Nick? Hello, hello. Awesome. All the way from the Twin Cities. Yeah, yeah, beautiful weather here today. It's like the last of fall, they say, but it's nice every day so far, so. Beautiful. What is the temperature up there right now? It's like in the low 60s, high 50s, no wind. It's been like that all week, sun out, it's good. You guys getting frost up there yet? Uh, it was a little chilly this morning, but not yet. Close. All right. All right. We're kind of in the same boat here in Iowa. So, um, all right, man. Well, first of all, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, like a couple of the people that I've talked to, you and I met through a similar uh, scenario through the Crown Rally. Um, great group of people that I've, I've been able to develop some good friendships with, you being one of those guys. And uh, not just you know, uh, similar interests from the car situation, but just good human beings. Um, and so this morning we talked to Paul Rohde. He's one of the guys that uh, hopped on the pod with us. You know, obviously Paul's got a great story as well. Um, so Nick, take us through a little bit of just kind of like your background, where you come from and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of your childhood and all that fun stuff. Oh man, I'm a, I'm a son of a, of a stewardess and a cowboy. <laughs> I love it. You sounds know, like a, sounds like an interesting it, weekend. It explains yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> kind of grew up a little wild, you know. So so that that tells you, you know, kind of how it goes. So South Minneapolis, um, born there, raised there by my mom. Uh, my dad had a place up north. Uh, I would go to in the summers, like a farm, like a hobby farm, you know, okay. horses, he was a cowboy, rode horses, he participated in rodeo, all that stuff. Wow. And so, yeah, so I grew up in school in the inner city in Minneapolis in a, you know, one bedroom apartment with my mom. And then the summers I was just running around, you know, out on the farm while my dad was at work. So I kind of got a, I kind of got to see a lot growing up, you know? Yeah. That's pretty so, contrasting. Yeah. Yeah. Really. So, so where'd you go to high school? Uh, Southwest High School, uh, South Minneapolis. Southwest High School. Okay. How many kids were in your yeah. graduating class in high school, Nick? Oh, man. 200, 250. It was a pretty good sized school, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, bigger, it's bigger now. I'm you sure. Know, it's yeah. Probably, it's probably <laughs> four or 500 now. Okay. So you get through high school, man, and uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of your transition <laughs> from there to your professional career. Oh, you know, I did, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know, my mom was, you know, doing her thing. And so, yeah, just started working on cars in high school. Wanted a cool car in high school. Okay. And yeah, what Buick Regal, baby. G-Body. Like, yeah, those Regals were badass back then, man. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, working on stuff. Wanted to be fast, motor stuff. So, kind of, I'm in the automotive industry. That's kind of how it started. Um, quit, quit school. You know, I, 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 I don't even have a high school diploma. You know, I quit school in ninth grade, um, okay. started working, um, you know, in and out of, I did some, some foster home group home stuff in the high school years, bounced around, but always in Minneapolis. Those places are in Minneapolis. <laughs> so I got you. Yeah. We did so, a pod man with a good there. friend. Yeah, we, we did a good pop out with a good friend of mine that worked for me, a gentleman by the name of Josh Beck, and he uh, lived 88% of his life in the foster care system uh, as a child and talked a lot about just kind of the foster care thing. Tell us a little bit about that, man. I mean, was that, what was your experience with that? You know, what's your, what's your take on the system? Well, I mean, it was pretty rough. I don't think, you know, yeah, you're on your own, really. These, these kids are on, I don't, you know, I'm assuming it's probably like that today. The, you know, you're kind of, it's every man for himself in those places. That was my experience. Um, did make some, some friends and some people I'm still in contact with today or, you know, people that we stuck together to get through some of that stuff. Um, but then as I got a little older towards 18, I got, I was figured out I was handy, you know, so I would work odd up construction stuff, found, um, uh, Bobby and Steve's Auto World, Bobby Williams. It's a big, it's a, a large chain of independent repair shops and gas stations here in the Twin Cities metro area. I'm still here. Um, yeah. South side for life. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, just started working in the industry and paying attention. You know, I always wanted more. I didn't, I always kind of knew that I wanted to, to have more, be more, do more than what I was doing or what I saw people doing. And, you know, coming back from the seeing some real struggle, you know, growing up, I feel like it made me appreciate or uh, uh, what it took to to find some success for myself and was willing to fail or try over it again. And and just 
tried a few things on, you know, odd jobs. I started a business, Carter, I started a, a construction delivery business. I just had an old F-150 truck. I was probably 19 years old. Yeah. Printed, had a friend of mine with a printer print square cards. I would go around to job sites and contractors and, you know, I'd get some, all of a sudden, you know, the phone starts ringing and they're asking, can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Do a little hustling, man. It didn't matter what it was. Yeah. I just said, yes. (laughs) 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 I love that though, man. That's the hustle right there. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, then, you know, truck would break down working on the truck. So that's kind of how I found Bobby Williams and Bobby and Steve's auto world. Um, got a job there as just a loop, started there as a loop tech, changing oil and fixing tires. Um, and yeah, started paying attention. And he, that guy was an amazing, he's, 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 his health is failing and I've kept in touch with him now. Um, but he would come in and he'd ask everybody, Hey, how's it going? How's it, you know, what's going on? And, and I just, I think a lot of people blew it off or I just, I don't know. I somehow I just reached out to him or I always answered him and talked to him. And before you know it, I'd be sitting in the office when he'd come to the store to check on the store and he'd show me how he's doing the books. That man used to write a ledger. You guys, he would take a, a pencil and he would do a paper and pencil ledger of the days, weeks, and months business. He would do that for each quarter. Uh, each quarter green, of green sheets. And, green sheets. Yeah. Just ask the accountant over here <laughs> to my left. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just started paying attention to that. So this is a kid with no formal education or everybody thought, oh, yeah, he's that kid's a ditch digger, you know. And, uh, yeah, I just started absorbing knowledge and trying to hang out with people that were more successful than me, I guess, or, you know, be around success. Yeah, that's a that's a really common theme, Nick, that we hear from people that have been very yeah. successful is yep. them talking about how important the people were around them, mentors, you know, people that took time to to teach them. And look, man, we have there's different levels of education, right, bro? There's because, you know, I'm yeah. not a, I'm a high school graduate. That's, you know, the highest level of education that I, I achieved. Hey, hey, that counts. Yeah. Hey, well, you know what, man? I, I think again, my education though, didn't stop there, right? It continued on with business owners and other entrepreneurs and guys teach me how to exactly like what you just talked about. And so I have a huge, you know, a huge understanding and appreciation for what that is. Well, and I think that's why crown rally worked so well, or that, that group of people that got together through the crown experiences, there was a lot of those people that were ambitious on the same level or were, were, yeah, just at that level you know, of humanity, I guess, man, humanity, you know, humanity can be a little rough out there. (laughs) Well, you know, society is tough, man. The fact it tells us that, Hey man, if we don't go get this certain degree or we don't go down this certain path, we're never going to make it. And let's face it, dude, that's not fucking true, bro. That's just not real. Right. right? You just got to make your own path. I think think society as a whole has grasped that because you see, you see in a, a lot of you know, uh, state publications and or political campaigns and or educational outlets going, get a trade. You know, you don't have to go into all this debt, into right. all this student debt to it, go to college changing. anymore. It's get a trade. It, 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 yeah, it is. Yep, yeah. I, I see it. And it's for the better, it, I think. Yeah, because I'm in a blue collar business and I, I see the, it, it's a slow shift. I wish it would happen faster. And I've been talking about it for years. You know, there's honor and dirty hands, you know, dirty hands, clean money. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I like uh, that saying. I like and, that and, saying. And like so that. it's like, look, dude, you know, I tell these young guys that are working for me, some of these guys are from the hood and they got nothing and they're wanting something and I'm. I try to be that mentor and that guy that it takes some hard work. Some, there's some sacrifices that have to be made. You know, don't come to me and ask me for $300 and you're wearing brand new Nike Air Jordans to work, dude. Absolutely. You know, like, I try to be an educator and a positive force. I don't, of course, I'm not going to degrade them and tell them you suck for it. They're sweet shoes. I like the shoes. <laughs> but we, we, we got to talk about some choices we're making, dude. You know, we got to have some real discussion about where we're headed and what our goals are. And uh, I got around some people that had goals and I try to set goals and and bring those young people up in my people ask me all the time. How do you get employees? How come everybody stays so long? Why do you have such a great team? Well, because, you know, we're working together and I try to find a common ground with these people, you know, because a lot of them are coming from some of that inner city background stuff or just a bad back. It doesn't have to be inner, just some they've seen some tough times. There's a lot of that in our industry. And I try to bring respect to the blue collar you know, to, uh, uh, occupations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But dude, how cool is that, that you've had this opportunity to pay it forward because it sounds like somebody did that for you. Right. And put some of that time yeah. into you and gave you some of those opportunities. Tell, tell us about Nelson automotive, dude. So, so you, you're working for this dude. He's putting some time into you showing yeah. you the ropes. How do you I get from there to for, this, this giant thing that you've built? Well, I worked for him for a long time and I just absorbed a lot and he would, 
there was managers that would get ownership opportunities. And in the beginning, that was my goal. And in a way, he almost taught me too well or taught me too much. Uh, you know, he would he would give these carrots to these own to these managers and we'll make you, you know, 47 percent owner, 49 percent owner, buy an equity stake in the shop. And then he'd have these guys running these shops for him. But he's control. He's the controlling interest and he's yeah. guiding the ship, which a lot, frankly, those a lot of those owners needed, you know. Sure. And I just started looking at that. And that was the original goal. And as I looked harder and harder, I thought, man, you know, I can do this. We had I had a one of the managers at one of the locations was kind of a, a, a tough guy to deal with. And I had worked under him for like some years. And I thought finally one day I was like, you know, if this guy can do it, I can do it better. Yeah. And yeah. I quit and I had good money. This was like 2007 Carter. So wow, this was to everybody was on top of the world, man. I was young. I was making, I don't remember how I was in my later 20, mid, mid twenties, the other side I, I, of 25. Dude, you're young now. How old are you now? I'm 45. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still a young yeah. lad, man. You got a lot of shit to do still. Yeah, that's right. I feel good anyway. I feel good. You look good. You look good. So anyway, yeah, so keep going, man. So, so you kind of well, said, hey, I can do it better. Yeah, I can do it better. But, you know, it's 2007. The, you know, the the real estate market's jiving. The economy's rolling along. This is pre, you know, 2008 collapse, whatever. So I just quit, took that summer off, man, drank beer and played horseshoes in my garage and, and you know, in my backyard. <laughs> Living the dream. And, you yes. know, I had money and some good stuff going on. I was kind of deciding what I was going to do. I figured it'd be a shop, you know. And I uh, had uh, my, my, that was a long time ago. And uh, my, na- that was then girlfriend, now wife. She came home and there's like four of my friends in the backyard. There's beer cans all over the backyard and we're having a good time. It's like, you know, five o'clock on a Tuesday, you know? And, and she just looked at me and she was like, dude, you got to do something. And she walked in the house and all my friends were like, yeah, we're going, we're going home, dude. We'll see you later. Yeah. And I just, I just don't know why I remember that moment. But the next day I started um, calling some people I knew, you know, I had contacts in the automotive industry, whatever. Hey, I want to fix a few cars, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. come. I said, no, I don't want to work for anybody. I'll, I'm going to fix a few cars in my garage. So I started that was like August, like 2007. And by fall, I that was that was. Yeah, I remember it was August. It was end of summer because she was sick of me partying all summer long. <laughs> And, uh, you know, as a young man, like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. and hanging out and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. Anyway, good times, by the way. Anyway, uh, uh, I often tell people I'm no happier now than I was then. But anyway, (laughs) so I I just started fixing cars, dude. And and by that fall, it was getting cold. Minnesota, you know, Iowa boys, it starts to get cold. So I started looking for a space. I rented a warehouse space, uh, bought one lift. I had one lift um did that kind of through the winter by the by that spring i had two lifts of uh, spring it got real busy that's a busy time in transportation or car automotive repair maintenance springtime uh called a buddy hey i got a good thing going on mechanic uh you know yeah sure i'll come work for you all of a sudden by like that midsummer i got my mom answering the phone and yeah you know, we're, you know, that's a true family business book. Yeah, we're starting to play with some real yeah. money, right? Yeah, so you got a backlog of people, yeah. Yeah, and we're starting to get some some customers rolling. And um, I knew nothing about business. I had paid. I had I had shop insurance. I had no business license. I was doing no advertising. And the one of the tenants next to me, they were like a lotion show. They made, anyway. They had a they had a small fire, and the fire department came and walked through the building. And they were like, what are you doing? As as a work car repair shop, here's my card. You know, I'll give you guys a discount. Firefighters <laughs> are great, you know, loving yeah. it. And two or three days later, the inspector comes walking through and goes, can I see your, you know, Minneapolis automotive repair license? <laughs> and, uh, You're like, what the fuck does that the, mean? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, well, sure. I got my insurance right here. goes my insurance. Here's one of my business cards. <laughs> you know i was i'm just a dumb i'm just a too honest sometimes you know just a dumb honest kid you know still i'm a dumb honest kid and so i <laughs> so i get a letter you know he doesn't say too much i get a letter cease and desist and all this and you know how it is i call a friend and we're discussing this and oh man this isn't good and oh and and then uh a friend of mine smarter than me he goes well just apply for your license and i go well it says right here you can't this is a good lesson in life. You know, I'm ready to give up, shut it down. He yeah. said, just apply for your license. 
I said, well, I can't get it. This property doesn't qualify. You know, we've got, you know, we all know now because we're older and smarter. There's levels of property uh, designations within a city that allow you to do certain things. Yada, yada. It doesn't yeah. fit. You yeah. Zoning one. and ordinance bullshit. Yeah, right? All yeah. Of this stuff. Right. So we're dealing with this stuff. And now I have people for that. I don't have to think about that stuff. But <laughs> then I had no idea. But my friend says, dude, just apply for the license. You won't get it, but it'll stop the process. You'll be able to operate while you're looking for a new spot, you know. That's all uh, you're a genius. So, so I learned it's a very valuable, you know, play the game the by the game's rules. Yeah, yep. the system, there's rules in the system. They're in place. They're not fair. They're not right. They are what they are. But you got to be willing to play the, the game by the game's rules. So that by that, you know, we, we continue to operate. I started looking for a place. Um, I, I end up hitting it really lucky in, in the Twin Cities. There's a lot of turnover in my industry of people coming to retirement age in the automotive transportation industry. Ah, sure. And that's about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I, I identified a place in Minneapolis just off university campus. We call that our Hennepin store now. That's our first location. Okay. Um, got to talking with the guy, got the, you know, I had, I had had like two years of running. At this point, I was probably, no, it was like a year and a half. I think this was the end of 2009, somewhere in there. Yeah, like the summer of 2009. Okay. I'd have to look, guys. It's been, you know, how t- it's hard to remember. Yeah, anyway, time's not real. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just flies crazy. by. Man. I just don't have any idea by. when shit happens. Yeah, I just I'm just here for the ride, you know. And uh yeah, so bought the place, bought the place, got the licenses, worked with the same guy that kicked me out of that place, you know, in Minneapolis. And at that time, Minneapolis dealing with the 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 city of Minneapolis and the politics of of the you know they didn't it was just the beginning of cars are bad, drive your bicycle, you know, we're we're burning here. Oh. And all this gentrification. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But in Minneapolis, they really didn't want, you know, automotive repair new shortly after that, they issued a directive. They would issue no more automotive repair licenses in the city limits and all this, you know, they're helping us, you know, and, um, (laughs) and so it's for my people by the people. It's for for me. me. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, yeah, started there. That was store number one. And I did a new store every two years, you know, until COVID. Yeah. So how many store, how many locations are you up to now? Total Nick? We've got, I've got six locations. We're about to open our fifth retail. And then I do um, some fleet stuff and some stuff at a, at a, a commercial location. We don't take walk-in customers. Awesome. Awesome. And how many people yeah. do you employ right now, bro? Um, it, it floats north and south of 30, about 30 people. Yeah, that's 30. awesome. I'd man. like to have 35, 36 right now. I'm probably right at 30. Yeah, you know? yeah. We talk about that too, man. There's a lack of uh, willingness out there in the workforce. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've talked about a little bit of that. It's funny because Paul, you know, when he talked talks about his story, he tells kind of a similar, you know, scenario of having some mentorship through other entrepreneurs, right? And, and people kind of taking him under his wing. And one of the things that he brought to the table is this discussion of this is why it's important when you're at an entry level job to prove yourself and to prove your trustworthiness. Because if you if you don't have that, nobody's going to take you under their fucking wing, bro. Right. There's people dying to show people the way, man. It's not that hard. You know? No, no, especially if, if people have the willingness, right? Yeah, and, it's free knowledge. The knowledge is right here. It's free. So, so I just heard him say, thing. I've got 30-ish. I'm going north and south, so it ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'd love yes. to have 35, yeah. right? So, yeah. and, and we're and we we're talking to we're, talk, we're talking to him. We're talking to Paul earlier. Yeah, yeah. Why does it seem like anymore there's more people willing to help and bring people along than there are people to fill that vacuum? Yeah, that's right. I think that's what you're saying, right, Nick? It's like, dude, yeah, there, it's yeah. it's available. Why, why Just go that? grab a hold of that thing by the balls and be humble enough to listen. That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, listen, make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. I think a lot of people at home, they're like, you better just go get a job. Oh, you better just stay in your lane, you know? And people oh, are afraid yeah. to take risks. The social media stuff is crazy, man. You know, I see this, the social media stuff and what people are following and what people are, um, what they I, I don't want to use the what they like to look at and, and what they're what, what they're glorifying on social media. All I, that stuff is is not the way that I can tell anyway. Yeah, I, 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 that's getting I, anybody anywhere. I think what you know? you're saying is where people devote their time. Which is our yeah, most valuable it. asset. Yeah. yeah that, well, well, Nick, tell me this story. So you, you know, I, I know I had a, a, for me, it was a solid like three year period of awful grind, right? I mean, it was like missing time with my kids. You know, it was 100 to 120 hour weeks. It was, you know, and then Paul talked about that today as well. Tell me about for you, man, where was, how, what was that initial grind like? And when did you get to the point where you were like, oh, 
okay, now I feel like I've got some level of stability because I'm sure you went through the same type of thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I still to this day, I still, Carter, I never feel successful, man. I never feel content. I always have this anxiety in me that it's going to crumble tomorrow and I better be out there making sure that it's good to go and, you know, we're rolling along. I don't know. It's just in me. It's just the way I am built. It's, it's a good mindset to have. But, yeah, I agree. yeah, but like I would say for like the first five years, it was heads, but I was having fun. It was head head down. Just that's, I wasn't doing car shows, crazy stuff. I wasn't doing things like crown rally or right. I was just, I was working. I just was working, but I enjoyed it. I liked being there. I liked the people. I enjoyed what I was doing. And that that's why I say sometimes it just kind of happened by accident. I just was pushing and pushing and never found, I just haven't found my limit yet, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, dude, nothing happens by accident in my world. I don't think, you know, I think everything happens for a yeah. reason. And I'm, I, we talk a lot about karma. We talk a lot about your willingness to, to reach out and help others. And I think all of us, you know, I've, I say on this podcast, a lot of times, Nick, like, dude, give me somebody that's been through hell. I'll take that person a hundred times over, man, versus somebody that's, you know, acted like they've lived life perfectly from, you know, start yeah. to, to now, whatever the case yeah. is like, do people that have been through trials and tribulations tend to have more humility and tend to not be afraid to make some of those mistakes or have some that willingness to take risks um, because so. they're not scared of that. They've been there, right? It's like, do you've been in a shitty spot and you know, you can recover, you know, you can bounce back and do better. Um, and so I love having people like that, that have been through some hardship, but they're also like, okay, dude, I'm fucking ready. Right. I'm ready to, to yeah. improve my life and do something better and make better decisions. And I think those are the people who remain very loyal to you. If you can help them a little bit and, and be a catalyst. And I had people do that for me. Um, so yeah, dude, I just think that's, uh, it sounds to me like you're grabbing a hold of some of those dudes by the, by the scruff of their neck and be like, let's fucking go, man. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to bring a team along. I can't do this. You know, it's big enough now. I can't do it without my people, you know, or what's going on now. It's a, it's a big machine that has to be fed, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it takes, it takes a bunch of folks and I, I could, you know, that's what happens is things get rolling good and I can kind of step away a little. And that's when I start getting that itch and I start looking for another store or yeah. another opportunity <laughs> or like, okay, let's go. What's next? You know, what are we doing? And um, I've found that I've had to bring some people along with me because I can't do it alone, man. There's no way. Yeah. That's, you, that's what happened the day I got shot. I was doing something for my guys. I, I want to talk about I'm so glad yeah, you joined I was just about to tee yeah. you up with this discussion because Mike's dying to hear this. So tell, tell this story, bro. <laughs> I, I should have. I was set the stage. Yes, yeah, so it sets the stage. Yep. Okay. Well, Set the what is it? So we're 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 during the the Derek Chauvin trial. We're we're boarded back up again. So if you, you know one of my locations is a gas station. So we've got gas and convenience in one building and automotive repair in another building, all on like a half acre deal with three pump islands. And um, we're right we're right in the hood. Dude. We're 28th and Lindale, so we're South Minneapolis. That's you know two blocks off Lake Street, um, Lake and Lindale. And um, I mean, I've been there my whole life. I've you know known that corner my whole life. But anyway, yeah. So we were boarded back up because you know we didn't know what was going to go down with all the George Floyd stuff and all this craziness. And you know, they got the police on every corner and National Guard out there. You know, and um, I had shown up that day. I remember it was April fourteenth because the ta damn tax check was due on the fifteenth. That's the only reason I remember. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, tax day, fuck. It was tax. It was the day before tax day, and it was a nice day in Minnesota that day because I had just had a hoodie on, and um, I, you know, I I carry a conceal and carry. Of course, I feel like you should participate in that stuff. That's you know something that's put in place for us, and. Um, you know, I think it's important to do those kinds of things. So I, of course, and I had it in the truck in the center console. I also carry mace, you know, because a lot of times, it, you know, unfortunately, the reality of some of our stores, um, two of our stores, sometimes it can get a little rough. And, um, you know, we carry mace sometimes because some of these guys, they're, they're on chemicals. They're, un, un, they're unable to control themselves. And sometimes we have to wait. We need a way to shock them back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then move them on their way you know yeah and um you know because you can't have that kind of stuff in front of your business right and nobody else is going to move them so we move them i move them yeah and, good for you um it's been that way for years you know it just is what it is and um so 
So I, I threw the mace in my hoodie pocket because I always do that. This is my truck. I'm out. We're all boarded up. So no one can, none of my employees or people can see out into the, you know, we've got the cameras, but you can't see the pump islands. You can't see out the windows like you normally could, right? Uh, and wait, anyway, wait, hold on. Just, had, just let me interrupt. So you're boarded up. The people yep. inside can't see out. People outside can't see in, but yeah, you're still doing business. business. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just we're open for business. It's the store is rolling. The pump. There's probably, I think five or I remember the pump islands were pretty full. So there's probably five or six people pumping gas. Mm-hmm. Um, store was, you know, the, the April's usually a pretty good time of year. So there's, they were fixing cars, you know, but you know, the, all the employees are inside and I was built. I had promised my technicians some overhead shelving over their toolboxes. And it, and it would, and they, anyway, I was there building the shelving. I was putting some of the stuff together on the back of my truck, on the tailgate of my truck outside and my tools out. And I was building these shelves outside to move them in to install them above their toolboxes. All of a sudden, a dude, uh, all of a sudden the guy busts out, young black kid busts out the, uh, the gas station door and he trips and he falls. And as he, as he trips and falls, like money, like money falls off, falls out on the ground. He's picking up some of the money and jumps into a car at the number one pump island. So the pump island closest to the repair shop. Okay. And, and I knew what had happened right away. All of a sudden, Rocky's manager, store manager comes running out. He, he robbed this guy. We had a Bitcoin machine in the gas station at the time. We had, uh, mm. you could go, Bitcoin was real popular. We had a, one of those automated Bitcoin machines in there next to the ATM. Mm-hmm. And some, some uh, older gray-haired gentleman was feeding like $3,000 into this Bitcoin machine in the hood at like 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. Oh. And I was like, yeah, with boarded up windows. Come on, bro. I was like, what was this guy doing? (laughs) Anyway, like this dude's not from around. The guy never has thanked me, by the way. Anyway, um, so I I had a conscious, I had a a discussion with myself in a split second. I was like, I'm not getting involved. I was like, there's a bunch of people. You guys, there was a lot of people at the the gas station that morning. It was was right around 11 o'clock. And it was, yeah, April 14th, 2022. One, and it must be, must have been. So anyway, I thought I'm not getting involved. Well, Rocky, the manager, runs out. And he's kind of a hothead. So this guy runs out and jumps into a car. It was a black Nissan Maxima. Jumped into it, and he's gonna take off. Um, well, it's got a temporary license plate on the back. Rocky runs out, rips the temporary license plate off the back. And the, the about this time, the the older gentleman's also come out of the store. He's standing behind Rocky. So cars here, old guy and Rocky over here, and I'm on the other side. I'm I'm two pump islands over, just kind of laying back watching this happen. And uh, this dumb kid gets out of the car, runs around the car, and starts to chase uh, Rocky, the store manager, and the old guy back into the store. And I oh, said, boy. "Oh man, now I got to get involved." So I just didn't even think. I just sprinted, sprinted across the pump islands and. And about the time Rocky and those guys got to the to the station door, I got in between uh, the guy coming after him, the kid, and Rocky and them. And I started, I took two steps towards him, and I start macing him, and I'm going to tackle him. I'm going to mace him in the face. I'm going to tackle him and hold him there until the police get there. At this time, there was a police there was a police squad every two blocks in every direction. At that point, it's like a war zone. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I, I'm Mason, the kid, I take two steps towards him. And as I, as I'm going towards him, he's got his eyes closed and he's, he's got his eyes closed. He's tilting his head back. He starts to pull a, a pistol out of his, I don't know if it was his hoodie pocket or his waistband. I still don't know. Sure. And as he's going to bring it up like this, I'm now just about got my hands on him. Like I, I'm, I got, I got, was managed. We managed to, I managed to get his mask down when I landed on him. But so I'm going towards him and the pistol goes off. Uh, and it goes into my left leg. So it, it, it's, you know, I think he, he was pulling it out of his waistband in reality. And I think it was a negligent discharge. You know, I think he had a spin yeah. on the trigger. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so bullets are a funny thing. So I was real close to him. The, it was a nine millimeter jacketed shell. Okay. The, 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 I don't know. I still don't know what kind of pistol it was. Um, so I get, I kind of collapse. I just remember my left leg like stopped working and I kind of, he's falling backwards. I'm collapsing towards him. I get a hand on his face and his mask 
falls down. I fall down. I immediately realize I get shot. So I get up and start running one direction. We pass each other and he starts running the other to the car. Well, he's got, he's been maced at this point. So he can't, he jumped in the driver's seat of the car. He's going to drive. I then collapsed. I took like two or three steps running, collapsed, got back up, was able to run into the, was able to run into the repair shop lobby. Anyway, he couldn't drive. So he got out of the car and then ran off. Wow. <laughs> so left the car there. So that's, yeah, that's <laughs> and, basically And the temp happened. license plate. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so, Rocky well, Rocky had that in his hand. I, I mean, yeah. dude, first of all, crazy ass story. Uh, thank God yeah. that you're, it wasn't worse, right, for you. Because I yeah. mean, that's, that's a, that could have been a really catastrophic situation. Yeah. But dude, what's interesting to me that I don't think a lot of people realize is that war zone situation that was happening in the Twin Cities at that time where yeah, it, was, it was every day. Businesses it are closing, day. people are shutting yeah. down, people are bailing yeah, out of terrible. the city. Crazy, right? I mean, so so how is it now? I mean, and we're getting close on time, man, so we won't keep you too much longer. But tell yeah. me, like, how has it changed, you know, from that time frame to now? Is it getting better? Are you still seeing, like, a lot of empty space? You know, tell me a little bit about what the this situation looks like up there. I mean, we're losing businesses in Minneapolis still like crazy. Um, oh, people no. who could afford to leave left. Um, it's mm. changed a lot. And it's sad because, you know, now I don't live there anymore. I moved out, you know, and... Uh, I, I come out to where I live now and and then have conversations with the people in Minneapolis now, where I'm from, it's my city, no one loves yeah. it. They're just, they've become tone deaf. They've become numb to how bad it really is. They don't even realize how bad it is, man. And yeah, uh, I would say it's, shame. crime-wise, it's gotten a little bit better um, because they finally allowed the police to take, you know, the police in Minneapolis will tell you there's 150 names on the list. You let us arrest those 150. We'll take care of 70% of the crime and what's going on in the city. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. It's kind of the 80, 20 rule, uh, right? Yeah. this is the truth. It's the truth. I believe it a hundred percent. So, so Man. yeah, they caught the dude, put him in jail. He got like eight years or whatever. So they, they knew him right away when they when they looked at the camera footage from the station, the, the inspector knew the dude right away, knew him by name. Surprising. Wow. Habitual criminal, obviously. Right. Yeah. So one last thing. Yeah. Minneapolis, don't go there. Don't tell your friends to ride the public transportation. It's still <laughs> we, we're still taking care of our own in the hood. So if you come to Nelson's, you're safe. Don't worry. We got you. Oh, I love and, it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So that bullet went in going down, Carter. Did yeah. a hundred and eighty degree turn in my leg and came out at the back where my ass meets you, you know my my leg muscle. Yeah, I call it your underbutt. Yeah, <laughs> did a U turn and came out in my underbutt, bro. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The bullet Jeez. was going down. And and not through your not through your femur, not through like not I mean, for you. No, didn't didn't trauma hit a bone, nothing. There, yeah, the trauma surgeon said it's very common with a jacketed shell. It will get in the muscle, in, in the mass of the muscle, and follow the muscle tissue through oh, and out. Wow, isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. physics yeah. of that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so well, the, and and dude, you're still pounding. I mean, you're still going. Things are rocking. So we just want to tell oh, yeah. you, you know, dude, proud of what you've done. Exactly. Proud of you. Thanks for uh, being a mentor to some of these other guys. You know, that's a, that's an important right. important thing. Um, and dude, thank you so much for taking the time to tell some of your story and, uh, Nelson automotive. If you're up in the twin city area, check these yep. guys out. Nick is yep. a great man. He's been a great friend. Um, and appreciate you, uh, just doing what you're doing, dude. So yep, keep man. rocking and rolling. I'm going to try not to yep. get shot after we do this right. podcast. And, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick, really, really appreciate your time and the story. I mean, I've, uh, I've got a lot to say after we get off. I can't wait. This, this is going to be great. We're going to talk about your underbutt. It's yeah, going to exactly. be fantastic. No. Right on. Right on. <laughs> detail thanks thanks, brother appreciate Appreciate you man all right so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back let's do it okay we're back and we're back Nick Nelson, ladies and gentlemen, he's a firecracker, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. He's a wild dude. I love that guy. He's great. He's fantastic, dude. He, you know, I just love the guy's story, yep. right? Love the story of, hey, you know, kind of grew up in this situation. Parents split. He's here. He's there. He's going through all this stuff. You know, spend some time in the foster care system. Le- you know, leaves high school. You say ninth grade. Yeah. And the guy has built a, a small empire in the, in the Twin City area in the automotive repair industry. Dirty hands wash clean money. 
I like it. Right? I, I didn't hear the wash. I think it was just dirty hands, clean money. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Money, yeah. <laughs> I mean, washing money is more yeah, like something true. you get involved yeah. in. But yeah. <laughs> it was only twice. <laughs> it was just in large sums. <laughs> but uh, anyways, no, that's really just a joke. But uh, yes, it was. That's <laughs> really a joke, I swear. <laughs> uh, dude, Nick, Nick is great, man. And I love the fact that he was, you know, that you can just tell he, the guy's excitement and passion for what he's doing. He talks to several times about how he just loves Man, I just loved what I was doing, right? Yep. I just loved what I was involved in. You know, I look at my business career like that as well. I got fortunate. I was fortunate enough to, to get involved in an industry and a group of people that I could relate to, that I enjoyed being around. Um, and it makes it makes the intolerable grind of trying to start a business tolerable yeah. if you're doing something that you're passionate about, I think. Yeah. And I think we heard some of that from, from multiple people that we've talked to, you know, several of the people that are entrepreneurs or have started businesses and been successful. Like love what you do yeah. because it sucks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. It's hard. And if you don't love it, you're just going to walk. It's way too hard to keep right. going. Yep. I think at times. Yep. So, yep. Um, and dude, going from, I mean, going from, you know, essentially in the city's eyes, illegally repairing cars in his garage and, and in a, the, you know, small space, warehouse, yeah. uh, to, uh, he, he talked about a couple of those turning points, right? Like, uh, I just, I love to hear those little turning point or fork in the road scenarios. Yeah. One of them being the inspector saying, dude, you got to go. Sorry. You're well, not in compliance. Well, what about, come on, those firefighters. Yeah. Hey, hey man, I'll give you a discount. <laughs> I love firefighters. Hey, let's go turn them in. Yeah. Come on. No, dude, that's where we live in, right? And, and again, dude, that, that speaks to, to the red tape and the, you know, the overregulation, the yeah. stuff we're talking about. But he made a great point because I went through the same thing at times and it's a learning curve. I went through it mostly with like, um, like our motor carrier, you know, number and some of our logistics related items in our business where we're moving around really big stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't understand that there was a difference between, Hey, I needed this, you know, this set of, uh, licensing for intrastate commerce. And then I needed this other set of licensing for interstate commerce, you know, similar situation. Like he didn't even know he was doing anything wrong. He's just trying to run a fucking business and make yeah. money. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sorry, dude, this building isn't equipped for that. You got to have this license this certificates got to be, you know, but again, man, you guys like, that's not a, that's not a reason to quit. You know, play by the rules. Like you talked about, you got to play the game. You got to play their game, you know, follow the rules. Um, dude, one of the things that I love about this is that I, I could see as we're going through this and we talked just briefly during the break, you had no fucking idea that that place was that much of a war zone. After. I had no idea. So, so of course I know what happened, right? Yeah. I know what happened with George Floyd. I know who George Floyd was after yeah. all the, off the after reports. I know this cop who supposedly knew George Floyd and I, and, and what he, and his record, right. And, Knew all of that, right. but didn't realize the extent of the damage. Oh, that man. Went, and, and the cops on every other corner. And the here it is. The overall estimated damages were $350 million and affected 22 million square feet of commercial property. Like, they were burning that place down. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was. So I, I remember, and I think it was... I, I could be mistaken. He, I think he said April of 2021 was an incident, but I, I bet you it was 2020. I have a feeling because a lot of that stuff happened pre-election, it was, right? Yeah. It was it was teeing up the election situation, right. trying to divide. I think a lot, you know, they were they were amplifying the situation intentionally in the Twin Cities to use that as a, 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 a political. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have to clarify with him because he said we reboarded up. In 2021. Oh, so, he did say that. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And so, that did happen, right? Yeah. I mean, this was a long, ongoing. It, it, it wasn't a short. Back, right? Oh, no. It was because crazy, Because the man. funding of the police, that was kind of Correct. the epicenter of well, that. Well, right? there were other events that happened in other parts of the country That's that correct. kind of respurred. You know, yeah. and, and again, man, I think that that was such a, look, the George Floyd situation was one of the, I would say, most shocking, like, you know, cell phone videos that had, had just kind of hit the entire public. I think there's a lot of those now, but it was, there was a reason that it was very, um, visible. You know what I mean? It was like a lot of times those are kind of like, Hey, this isn't even, this isn't doing justice to the family. Not, not that that shouldn't sure, be, sure. the story shouldn't be told. I'm just saying that it was very apparent that, that the media wanted you to be able to, to see that video and see, and it was shocking dude, right? It was kind yeah, of one of those yeah. like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Uh, then we realized, you know, we were given a tiny snippet of a much bigger much situation story. and there's other aspects of that. And again, not, I don't want to, 
that's a very touchy Let's not situation. Revisit it, right? No, yeah. it's an awful dude. It yeah. was a, it was a very awakening situation for a lot of people. Of dude, we got to make sure that anybody who's in a position of power has the right intentions and understands what and they're sh- doing and should be held accountable. One hundred percent. And at the same time, I mean, th- I remember that as one. And again, I didn't realize the extent of what ha- and what has happened. Yeah, he said people have left in droves. Businesses are out. He said people are still pe- leaving. It's he goes, twice pe- as- pe- people who have money have already left. Yeah, right. Like, but the 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 number of people who came in from outside of that area yeah. to do all of that damage and to incite more rioting and to incite more looting and, and, and arson and what have you. Right. right. I mean, that was one of the big stories in that whole Kyle Rittenhouse piece. Yeah. And yeah. That, the, yeah. The two guys that he shot, they were, fr- they were from way somewhere else. Yep, right. Like yep, and he was too, to, he, he was from he Wisconsin. Was from Wisconsin. Yeah. Not right? too far away, but yeah. And look, man, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's just interesting. I could tell that you were kind of like, holy cow. The thing that was really sad to me during that situation, Mike, was, you know, these are people essentially t- tearing down their own city. Correct. I yep. mean, they're literally like shitting in their own, that, in their that, own that's bedroom. Been, that, I mean, that's since Watts, right? I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean that's been happening over and over and over and over again. I, I don't know that I understand it necessarily unless I was that angry, that upset, that. Well, I, well, I don't know. Mean, there's, I don't know. There's ways to, uh, and we, we've talked about this with you. There's, there's ways to go about things and be able to get attention and draw attention and do, I mean, look, man, let's use this as an example. Let's use, let's use, let's say Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Right. Don't agree. Myself personally, kind okay. of thought it was stupid, especially with where he's background and where he comes from, yeah. but he did it in a way where people weren't getting shot, harmed, killed. He did it in a way where buildings and property weren't being destroyed. And he made a fucking point. Yeah, sure did. Right. And it was, and it rang through to a lot of people. Okay. That look, do I agree? I didn't agree with his exact position again, based on kind of where he comes from, but Hey, I can live with that. Right. To me, that's a peaceful protest kind of scenario of like, dude, I'm going to make some people aware of some shit. Good Mm -hmm. job, bro. People literally lighting other people's property on fire, or, you know, causing Stealing this all, intentional, yeah, yeah. you know, devaluation of your own city. Yep. And then we talked about in just a previous podcast about, you know, how there's this kind of plague of companies leaving blue states for red states. I mean, this yep. is another reason why, you know, the police at that point, which, again, I understand that was a very touchy situation where they were all told to stand down. But how long that went on for so long, dude, that the situation didn't stop. Yeah. Well, I worked for I worked for uh, Securian, Minnesota Life, yeah. for, for several years. Yeah, um, and up until about like 2013. Okay, and, and I remember being there. I, I want to say it was probably the winter of 2012, 2013. Okay, I remember it was freezing ass cold. Oh, it's cold right? up there. Yeah, it's cold here, and it's it like you're colder, away, right? Yeah. So, but I remember, and it was a beautiful city, and Securian's located in downtown St. Paul. Yeah, right. So I was in St. Paul more than I, but I, but I've been to a Twins game, you know, yeah. at the New Target Field a couple of years back, right? Like I, I know I, I've been there long ago. Sure. Yeah. Right. But it, what, what, what I'm hearing. What's well, not that long? Was that ten years ago? Yeah, right. Ten it's years not ago. That long ago. Ten, ten, fifteen as old as years. We are, it's exactly. Not that long right. Ago. But, but uh, what I'm hearing is the description is so much different today. And, oh, and Mike, it's, it's so bad. I, how, how is I? And it's it's a Midwest city. Right. It's Chicago, too. Right. Like these are Midwest hardworking people. You look back to the turn of the century. It was people building cities and, 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 you know, you know, the industry just growing and growing and growing and people working hard. And now it's now they're all in in tatters. They're all it's, it's it's all burnt down dude and you could tell how passionate nick is about minneapolis right he's like dude i was born and raised here this is my city and he was one of those people that was willing to board up stores and take whatever action necessary to keep his places open and keep paying his employees how many people wouldn't how many people gave up he has in his talent pool all these people that left his talent pool is shrunk oh absolutely he he wants to hire a half dozen more employees and he can't so is his clientele uh, I, I, I didn't and, even and go still, there. And, and Nick's still crushing it because he's Nick and he's taking good care of people. He's doing the right thing. He's taking care of his clients. Right, you know what I mean? Right, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. that's why I wanted to get the guy on to, to speak about it because, you know, he's kept his fundamentals in place. He's kept that passion in place and he's continuing to try to do the right thing. 
but but dude that is just a uh, you know he has had to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop the guy's been shot for christ's sakes you know what i mean through this whole situation and he's still there still in the grind still trying to use his business as a catalyst to help people good for him dude but unfortunately man not everybody's got that grit so here's something else that struck me though like he talked about he can he conceals carry yeah yeah right yeah which yeah i mean i do but, too but, but him and all of his employees carry mace because it gets rough yeah but this is before any of that those oh problems. absolutely yeah yeah what, what what's happened i mean again man there's uh there's a a situation where you know, we, we see it more and more. And I think this, this progressive thinking and this, this ideal uh, set that's like, Hey, let's not really worry about punishing people for some of these crimes. Right. Let's just, let's just kind of tell them, Hey, it's, it's dude, don't do fault. it again. It's not their fault. We did it yeah, to you. It's injustice. Right. right. Bro. We got to set boundaries. Yes. How many times do I say that statement? Yes. There's got to be boundaries, people man. People have you to be held accountable. Run amok, dude. What is this, the fucking Wild West? Yeah, that's that That's that cycle of crime, that revolving door and, of crime. And, and look, man, we go. this goes back to Minnesota hates guns. I mean, dude, Minnesota, look, it's right across the border. There's no reciprocity between Iowa and Minnesota when it comes to, like, a handgun permit or a concealed mm-hmm. carry permit. Minnesota's like, nah, fuck you. You can't come carry over here. Wisconsin, totally the opposite. Missouri, totally the opposite. They're like, yeah, dude, if, you've got, if you're a legal carrier in Iowa, we respect that. We're going to recognize mm-hmm. your permit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yep. Minnesota's one of those places. Well, again, if you are going to say, hey, the police aren't going to de- be able to, to defend or to stand up or to be able to, to execute and do their job. Right. And then you're going to say to the people, we're going to make it impossible for you to stand up for your own business or yep. make it really difficult. Yep. What are you left with, man? If you want it to be the wild West, fine, but then let me protect my own business. Correct. Yeah. Uh, don't you agree? Don't, don't, don't uh, take it out of my hands and then expect me and then 100%. expect me to defend myself. And, and I'm not promoting violence, dude. I'm just saying that you got to make people think twice before we go in and start burning buildings down man and lighting police stations on fire like what are we doing yeah and you notice he 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 when he was there building the shelves when that incident happened yeah which is he, crazy by the way he had a weapon in, in his center console he didn't go get it he didn't go get it he's like i got mace in my I pocket got mace i'm gonna tackle the guy and wait for the and wait for the police yes even after george floyd and all that stuff happened did you hear him tell the story about how you know the initial thought is i'm not going to get involved yeah right hey if it's a money situation his employee was involved Correct. And he stepped and in why, at that point where he right. thought his employee was in danger. That's right. He's a good dude, man. And like, you know, again, I, I love the story, man. I love this. Um, I, I always love to hear stories. You know, Josh Beck's another good example of somebody we've done a podcast with. If, if you haven't listened to our foster care system podcast, right. because right. Nick brought that up. I think I hope people check that out as well, because Josh is a great example. Dude, you're you do not have to be defined by your upbringing correct these guys are great examples of they did not have the absolute best you know family situation being pushed forward pushed their limits they have chosen to take a position of a positive outlook and they've made the most out of what they've been given and you notice they both said the same thing they have relationships still with people they were in the system with brothers sisters or yep. whatever you call them foster care sisters brothers yep. but they still have those relationships yeah right? they said the same thing so yeah. and also that those people kind of helped them get through Correct. really tough situations Correct. right so so again it goes back to we got to help each other mm-hmm. we got to stop this reliance on the government to come in and save us because his situation up there in the twin is a perfect example that ain't gonna happen no not there if anything they are they are shitting the bed yeah. on on the commerce and the situation the the safety of the citizens i mean dude the businesses are are plowing out of do you think how easy it is to hop over the twin cities right across the river from freaking you know wisconsin yeah hop over super easy to go do business i mean we, here we have paul didn't talk about buildings being boarded right, up in hudson right, right. No. he's literally fucking what 25 minutes away oh, i don't even know the, the oh no it's yeah. right there okay, bro yeah. i mean like, it's oh, right shit. across the river i mean that's how these guys know each other and they live yeah. close together right so you know it's just i don't know man it's it's um this goes back to a lot of the stuff we've talked about of making sure that we understand the consequences of the policies that we put in place. This discussion of the tyranny of the minority do we cannot sacrifice the majority and the we well-being to, of our, we have to stop putting people in office that believe in this bullshit. We have to, man, we have we, to, we just can't lose sight of our, 
values of our tra- Amer- for traditional a tiny American percentage. values. Yes, our traditional American values. Very well said. Thank yep. you for that. The traditional American values cannot be sacrificed for a tiny percentage of the population, bro. But that's what we're doing every day in these larger urban areas. Yes, and that's what more and more people are utilizing to try to buy votes. Yep. And, and they don't understand there's consequences for these policies, the man. The Twin Cities, Chicago, Philadelphia. New York, it's L.A., a, it's a, Seattle, dumps. Portland. They're dumps. They're falling apart, and they, man. And they were, the, they were the beacon of American ingenuity, of American industry, of American society. Yeah. They were the beacon. You heard Magda the, you know, on, on that live that we did with her. She loved her city. It's the greatest city in the world. Yeah. I don't think many people would say that today. No, and she she had even said it's changed a lot. Yes. Right? She made yeah. that statement, it's changed a lot. Yeah. You know, we, we were watching the 49ers game the other night, you know, on TV. And again, this is kind of late, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the mention was brought up of, yeah, gosh, you know, San Francisco, what a great city. And then it was like, yeah, but it's not anymore. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Like, how much does that suck, man, yeah. to know that these things are kind of falling? And, you know, I hate to say this too, but we talked about this before as well, you know, People going, hey, you want to move to Arizona? Great. Don't bring your politics with you from California. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, people do. Yeah. And so now we have this huge disbursement of people from these metropolitan cities kind of coming all over and they're dragging some of these shitty ideals with them because they don't understand that's what caused you to leave in the fucking first place. Yeah. Well, again, Just educate yourself, right? Is, yeah. Understand how these policies affect and what this lack of consequences for criminals is going to create. You know, we were talking about this uh, earlier just in the podcast before about the what the car theft increased by 133 percent in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Like that was because of bad policies, man. This defund the police situation. People are like, oh, gosh, it's out. Of, yeah, of course. What do you think was going to happen? Yeah. Are you surprised? Right. I'm not surprised. No. You did it to yourself. Now stop sending people to Cedar Rapids. <laughs> Not what, all people. Just what he ultimately people. meant to say was, "I care about Cedar Rapids." <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Man, I know, I know, don't I'm just kidding. push your shitty people out yeah. because you, because you're you're failing the people from a political perspective. You're failing the people with your policies. Don't then just offload them off to the next neighboring state or the next closest city. Yeah, and let's I, let's try to get together as people ourselves and go. Why is the government failing us, dude? Why why are these local and, governments and, failing? And and notice, you know, these are typically blue cities. Okay, they okay. are. However, it, it's it's one big party. It's one big government 100%. party that is is shitting the bed for all of us. And, and again, man, we talk about states often, but you're right, dude. A lot of these, the, the bigger cities and, and red states are blue cities. Most of them, you yeah, know, there's there's yeah. there's uh, there's shitty policies, dude. Everywhere you look, and they're on both sides of the fence, yep. right? They're on both yep. sides of the ticket. It doesn't make any difference. The point is, is that, dude, we got to look out for the people. We got to look out for the people running businesses. We got to look out. I mean, whether people like it or not, dude, we live in a capitalist economy, right? Yeah. We live in a capitalist world. We've got to allow entrepreneurs and small businesses to function and be successful and pay their employees and be able to to do their job as a catalyst for and, those individuals and operate without hindrance. One hundred percent, dude. So they can help more people. I mean, you That's heard right. him. He's like, he's trying to hire. He's got jobs available. You know, it's like, here's jobs. And we're sitting here going, wow, man, this economy's crazy. There's no job. There's jobs all over me. And I know so many people are looking for good help. You know, that, that, that brings up a good question. Yeah. How many of you out there are business owners? And, and and are looking for people but can't find good talent and and why is and why do you think you can't find it is it because yeah what do you why, attribute or, that or why to? can't you find it is it because people aren't willing to work is it because the talent pool is so shallow is it something else is yeah. it is it government policy that's precluding you from from getting to where you want to be by opening another store or expanding your current operation give us some feedback on this i think this is important i think it's important too man i would love to hear what people attribute that lack of willingness to work yep. where that's coming from because yeah. everybody we talk to is like dude i got i got spots for people uh, yeah exactly i want to mentor someone like I, I'm, I'm willing that. to help, right? Yeah, somebody who who is just trying to pay it forward. Yep. yep. So love loved it, Nick. I appreciate you, man. Yes, Thanks thank you, for brother. doing it. Um, we've got some good stuff coming up here over the next little stretch. Yeah, we do. Um, great couple days of recording, dude. I feel like we got a lot of good people in here. Um, looking forward to doing some more. Uh, we got. Let's see. Nothing tomorrow. I don't we're, think we're, we are. We, we have, have meetings tomorrow. We have meetings. We have some business meetings tomorrow. We're working on merch, so don't forget about oh, that. Merch is coming. Yeah, yeah. That, hopefully that'll be out by the time this podcast drops. Right. We'll have yep. some stuff available there. Yep. Um, don't forget to uh, check us out on Spotify. Yep. All uh, caps. Why not us? Yep. And why not us pod.org and uh, on Idle, Idle Time Productions Idle for YouTube. Time Productions.
Anyway, um, good, good sessions. Really good. Appreciate it. Let's get it back. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming up to Iowa, man. Yeah, thank All you, right, everybody. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for watching. It has to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Oh!